Okay, are you all ready for the word this morning? I want to share something with you, I think, which is pertinent and relevant to every single one of our lives. So what I want to just talk about is something that challenges every single one of us, and uh, it's a necessity for every single one of us as Christians. I touched on it last week, that uh, sometimes we're under the wrong notion that the spiritual ones are the ones that can prophesy, have dreams, and see visions. And that's not the case. Sometimes it's the way that person's wired. It's got everything to do with gifts which are given, but it has got nothing to do with fruit which is cultivated, which is character. And so sometimes we look at the gifted, but we don't look at the fruited. You know that the Bible's got much more, the New Testament's got much more to say about the fruit. Just a few chapters on the gifts. My suspicion is, the more we pursue the fruit, the more the gifts will follow. And so I just want to share a couple of things with you this morning. And um, I haven't got notes. I've just got pictures. Is that okay? So I want to draw pictures this morning. So just before we continue, I just want to talk about the fact that in the Bible, there is a difference between the flesh and the spirit. And very much this was the Old Testament way of living was the flesh. And Paul addresses it in Romans chapter 8, and he talks about the fact that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. That talks about the natural person. So that was you before you accepted Jesus. That was you before you got saved. And anybody that is born again, the Bible talks about the fact that we are now in the Spirit. Is that okay? And Paul touches on it in Romans chapter 8, what a magnificent chapter, and he touches on that and he talks about the fact that if you have Christ, you have His Spirit. If you have not His Spirit, you're none of His. You don't belong to Him. So everybody here, you've all accepted Jesus? Right. So you have the Spirit of Christ living inside of you. Okay? It's not on top. It's inside. Okay? So where is the Holy Spirit? Is inside of you. So everybody say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Okay? You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't want to say too much on this. But what happened was, while we were not yet born again, while we were in this particular place, we had, because of sin, we had lost the image and likeness of God. So the natural person does not have the image or the likeness of God. There is a resemblance, but it's very much marred and broken. This is what Jesus came to restore in us, okay? So image and likeness. Now, I want you to also understand that this image and likeness can also be referred to as the Spirit, if you've received the Spirit, because the Spirit is to bring the image and likeness. Another way of explaining this, which Paul talks about in Galatians 3, he talks about the gift and the trespass. He talks about the trespass and the gift, the sin and the gift. Now, the sin that he's talking about was Adam's sin, which caused all of humanity to fall. And so every human being thereafter was born with sin in them. But then he says, but then along came the gift. One man's disobedience caused the sin to come, and thereafter the judgment. But he says another man's obedience... That was the first Adam, the second Adam or the last Adam. He came along and he brought us a gift. And that gift was the gift of righteousness. Now, this gift of righteousness can also be called the image and likeness. Because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, just as we have borne the likeness of the earthy man, Adam, so too we will bear the likeness of the heavenly man. So what is the likeness? Righteousness. So this is called spirit, or it's called image and likeness, or it's called righteousness, because he produces those in us. Another way of referring to this is love. So the Apostle Paul talks about it in Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to go and have a look at Galatians. That's where I want to stay this morning. He says, don't go back to the law. 
You were brought into liberty, into freedom, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then in your liberty and don't return to the yoke of bondage. The yoke of bondage wasn't your sins. The yoke of bondage was the law. He said, if you go back and you try and do even one little bit of the law, i.e. circumcision, he says, you will have fallen from grace. And he says, so don't fall from grace. Stay in the fact of your righteousness. Your righteousness is by faith. Okay? So instead of by works, we receive the Spirit by faith in Christ Jesus. And when we receive the Spirit, this is what happens. All of these things result. Okay. So the Spirit, image, likeness, righteousness, love. So Paul goes on and he talks about this. Because obviously some of the people will be going, yeah, you see, that's why I'm not circumcised. And things like this. And he said, at the end of the day, it's neither about circumcision nor uncircumcision. What it is about is faith expressing itself in love. So your faith in Christ, which caused you to receive the Spirit of Christ there, will result in the image and the likeness of God being established, which is righteousness. Another way of saying it is love. So Paul continues in Galatians chapter 5, and he talks about the fact of the Spirit, but he doesn't use image and likeness, and uh, he expands on love, and he starts to talk about the fact that once we have the Spirit, the image and the likeness will come, the, the, the righteousness, because he says, by faith we await in the early part of Galatians, the hope of our righteousness. So it's all there. It's all there. When we start reading now, you're going to go, aha, aha, this pastor's quite clever, actually. Just a joke. All right, but he is. Okay, and then another way of saying it, Paul says, he says, since then you live by reason of the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Because if you walk in the Spirit you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's another way of looking at this, is saying we will have the fruit of the Spirit. Now, it's really interesting. We can, you know, often we talk about you just need to walk in the Spirit. <laughs> just walk in the Spirit and you'll, you'll be okay. And the question is, okay, how? <laughs> Tell me How? I've been trying for a long time. I get it right sometimes, and sometimes I don't, you know. Um, but how do we walk in the Spirit? What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? And that's what I want to teach you this morning. Is that okay? So let's just go. Andre says one step at a time. That's how you walk. Walk in the Spirit. Come on, there is a life in the Spirit. There is. And it does involve prophecy and dreams and being led and all of those kind of things. It does involve that. But the weight of it falls on, if I'm walking in the Spirit, I should be more like Jesus. Is that right? So let's turn, just before we turn there, let me just share a couple of things. When we were born, we grew up in a world and an environment that was not righteous, that was not holy. Praise God for the fact that we had Christian parents, but they were imperfect themselves, and somewhere in life we grew up fragmented, and our center was broken, and the Bible calls it brokenhearted, and so when Jesus said, the Spirit of God is upon me to open the eyes of the blind, to release the captives, he also said to bind up the broken hearts. So Jesus came to bind up the broken centeredness, the fragmentation that took place to the image and the likeness of God. And he's busy restoring it. Is that okay? I like what John Sheesby said, the beginning of his ministry of grace. Uh, when he first understood grace, he went into the office of the church where his late dad had been the pastor. And that office had had, uh, you know, the photos of all previous pastors. His father was the one previous to the one that was there. But the office had fallen into disrepair. And so it became like a, a trash room, a storeroom. And he went in there, and he remembered this was the room in which the photos were there. And he started to scratch around, and he found some of the photos of the previous pastors. And one that he found, which was broken, the frame in the glass, was that of his late father. 
And he picked it up, and he goes, oh, yes, my dad's picture. And then he said this in his heart. He said, I'm going to have it reframed, and uh, I'm going to come back, and I'm going to put up all the, the photos of the pastors. But when he was dealing with his father's one, God spoke to him, and he said, that's what I've called you to do, is to restore the image of the father. And so what we're doing and what the Holy Spirit is doing is restoring the image of our Father that's got broken. And so the brokenness inside of us, that's why we behave the way we behave is because of broken centeredness. That's what gives Vian and Shireen their ministry, Elijah House. It's to assist, it's the evangelization of the heart that where it's one-on-one or smaller groups, it's the evangelization of the heart to see those broken areas restored. Is that okay? That process can also be called discipleship, growing in the Word. And so God is busy with us from even before we get saved, but then when we get saved, it intensifies, and God is busy restoring the image. And it's important. Amen? Because he said this by, this will all men know that you are my disciples, not by your flesh, (laughs) but by your love for one another, which is the righteousness, which is the image. Is that okay? And so, one of the things that you've discovered by now, I'm sure, and me being your pastor, has also discovered this truth in you. You cannot be inwardly ugly and outwardly beautiful. Your beauty outwardly comes from within. And Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, but it's the verses before. Jesus spoke about it in Matthew 15, and he said this. So I think it's from about verse 16 onwards. He talked about the fact that not what defiles you is not what goes in, but what comes out. He said, because out of the heart comes. And it's very interesting that the list is exactly the same as that is what we find in Galatians chapter 5. So with that in mind, let's go to Galatians chapter 5. So we're going to just read quickly, and I'll make some comments, and then we're going to get on to it. And I just want to talk about a few things. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That's the law and sin. So stand in the liberty. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit nothing. In other words, if you go back to trying to observe the law, Christ is of no value to you. And he says, For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. So if you're going to go and try and fulfill one aspect of the law, then you must go back and fulfill the whole. Because if you acknowledge that that law has got any claim on you by one instruction or one little bit of it, then you need to go back to the entire law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Is that okay? Remember I mentioned that? By faith we're waiting in hope for this full righteousness that is ours in Christ Jesus. He said, for in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which is working by love. Remember we spoke about it? We received faith, and the faith must express itself. And the love must be twofold. One for God, and then secondly for others. Then he continues, and he says, You were running well. Who hindered? Who cut in? Who got you going back to the law? And, uh, you know, he continues with that for a while. So let's just skip a few verses, just for time's sake, and then let's go to verse 13. He says, For brethren, you have been called to freedom, to liberty, but only do not use your liberty or freedom as an occasion for the flesh, but by love to serve one another. Everybody say love. love. So Paul says this. And we as grace preachers, we got accused by others and by saying, yeah, they just preach grace. They're soft on sin. They're just giving everybody an excuse to sin. Well, there it is there. We're not. Yeah. Paul says, don't use your liberty as license but use your liberty to love, the three L's. Don't use liberty as a license to sin, but use your liberty as the driving force to love and to serve others. Amen? That's the power of grace. You can't do it in the law. And then he continues, and he says this, For all the laws fulfilled in one word, 
Even in this, thou shalt love. Everybody say love. Love thy neighbor and love God. Isn't that right? He says, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you do not be consumed one another. Verse 16, this I say, says Paul, walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Isn't that brilliant? So the word walk, when he talks about walking in the Spirit, that word walk is in the present, in the tense, in the Greek. It's a continuous thing. In other words, you walk and keep on walking. It means that every single day, when you wake up until you go to sleep, the whole day is walking in the Spirit. In other words, you conduct your life in the Spirit, and then you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Is that okay? Now, this is the part we're going to get to, and I'm going to share this with you, and hopefully some insights that you will understand. He says this in verse 17, For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to the other, so you cannot do the things that you would. Now, he changes the word, and both words are important. And he says, But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. So over here, I'm going to write led, if you are led of the Spirit. The works of the flesh, he says, are evident. But I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've noticed this in my Christian life. There definitely is a conflict between the old John and the Spirit. I thought I'd just mention that. I don't know how many of you have ever experienced, maybe I'm the only one in this holy church. Have you ever noticed that just when you thought you were really doing well, and you were like really holy and just like I've cracked this Christian thing now. You know, I haven't lost my temper for a long time. I've really been well behaved. And along came something. And, and then you discovered that there was some other things coming out of you that maybe you even surprised yourself. You know, you know the sailor language that you used to use that you had completely forgotten. You suddenly discovered, you remembered some words. Oh my goodness. You know. Or you behaved in a way that you long ago thought, now I've conquered this anger, you know, this temper thing. I've, I've, got, I've got over it, you know. It's a long time lost since I, you know. But by the 25th taxi cutting in front of you that morning, you rediscover something that you thought was long dead and long buried, you know. So what is it? These two, Paul says, war against each other. But that's why it's a continuous walk. And I want to encourage you by telling you that it is a walk that you will continue to walk, okay? And you will continue to have victory over it as you walk with the Lord. He says the works of the flesh are manifest. They're evident. They show themselves. And he lists them. We won't go into them. But then he goes on in verse 22. But it's very interesting that concerning the flesh, he calls them works. It's amazing, isn't it? And the other he calls, the other one comes by faith, by the Spirit. And he calls these fruit, but the one is works. So the one should be resulting, but yes, there's, there's cultivation and there's effort. But these are works under which category the law falls as well. Then he goes on to say this. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, Peace, long, yeah, patience, long, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, because we're alive in the Spirit, he says, let's walk in the Spirit and then also be led by the Holy Spirit. Now, I just want to just quickly come over here. Passages of Scripture that you need to put with Galatians 5. Is Romans 6, 1 to 11. Class, Heiswerk. Read it. And then you need to read the whole of Romans chapter 8. One right to the end. I think it's like 33 or something like that. And then you need to read John 15, the vine. So we need to read about those scriptures that tells us that he is the vine and we are the branches. And... Um, yeah, I think that's good enough for now. Those are the passages that you can read as well as Galatians 5. So let's talk about walking in the Holy Spirit. How do we walk in the Holy Spirit? How do we move out of a place where the fractures, the brokenness, 
those reactions, that ugliness? How do we replace it with the beauty of the fruit of the Spirit inside of us? How do we reflect that image? How do we walk in love? How, do we, how does the Holy Spirit assist us? Because He's with us. So either Paul is telling the truth and Jesus is telling the truth, or they're both lying. There is a life in the Spirit. There is a power available to us to walk in the Spirit. But how, please, how does it work? So we're going to just cast our minds back to the flesh. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, he says that the flesh, those that operate in the flesh, and he calls it the works of the flesh, he said they have their minds set on what the flesh desires. The end result of this, he says, is death. He says, but of those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, who have received that by faith and not by works, their minds are set on what the Spirit desires. Now, if I take Galatians and I take Romans, he says here, if you are alive in the Spirit and your minds are set on the things of the Spirit, he says that, first of all, that you will live is the implication. But he says this, that you will receive the Spirit of adoption, by which we cry, Abba, Father. In other words, you will walk as a son. Paul says this in Galatians. He says you will enter the things of the kingdom. So I don't know if you can all see, but the mind plays a really big role. Is that okay? So to walk in the Spirit, all of this comes by walking and by being led by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the big thing is, number one, the walk in the Spirit. We need to realize part of having our mind in the Spirit, we need to realize that He indwells us. So part of my mind and walking is my consciousness of the fact that He indwells. I don't know about you, but that gives me great comfort when I'm facing potentially you know, situations that have the potential where I can, can go back to another way of doing things, that I am walking with the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit, the hidden person of the Trinity. That great power is inside of me. And all I've got to learn to do is how to tap into that. Is that okay? Say, the Spirit indwells me. Second, but we need to walk in a consciousness of Him. You know, there was a period in my life where I would do that regularly, where I'd regularly go, Holy Spirit, I need you now. Holy Spirit, I need you today. Holy Spirit, this situation, I really need you. Please, will you come and help me? Holy Spirit, help John not to live his life out. Help John to live out the life of Jesus. Holy Spirit, just help me. And I would pray that regularly. What I was trying to do was to develop a consciousness of who was inside me and what power I had available to me. See, you've got two power sources inside of you. And one is yours, and the other is his. And where your meditation is, that's the source that you will open up. And so I would walk, and I would just say, Holy Spirit, if I was in a potential situation where, you know, we were, I don't know, short of money, or I had to speak to somebody, and it could potentially become, you know, disagreement or whatever, I would really pray, God, give me the words, give me the right attitude. Let me reflect everything about Jesus. So I would develop a consciousness of Him. All right, so we need to walk in a consciousness of the Holy Spirit, and that we find in Romans chapter 8. We need to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you what surrendered means? <laughs> surrendered means that you give in to His will and His way. One thing I found out about myself is that, for example, when I'm, we challenged financially, and uh, it always feels like God is late, although He's always on time. How many of you experienced that? And what I find is that as the clock comes closer to 12, you know, when it's got to happen, I find myself making my plans. Have you ever found that? Yeah, I'm going to start making plans now. Who do I phone? You know, let me check with the bank. Can I up my overdraft limit or something like that? Do we make plans or do we surrender to him? Okay, I'm going to just make it a little bit more interesting. How many of you know that when you're in lack, the situation has got a very loud voice and preaches really well? 
How many of you have got more faith to pray for other people to be healed than you have for yourself? Why is that? Because when you're not well, all your symptoms speak very loud. And all you can hear is your symptoms. And it's difficult to wade your way through all of this conflicting stuff that is happening, go past the pain threshold and discover the faith that is inside of you and actively start believing. But it's so much easier when you're feeling really good to pray for someone else and go, well, just believe. <laughs> oh, yes, I remember the other day I was trying to do that. And it was quite tough. Can we take it a little bit further, talking about the surrender to the Holy Spirit? What about if there is another way of life that you know He wants, but because of insecurity, because of pain, because of whatever, because of your lack of maturity, you choose to fulfill what your longings are rather than do what He wants. Because it feels really nice to stick your finger out the window at that bad driver, then be gracious. I just mean pointed at him. I just mean, you don't do that. You know? Yeah, your job is to teach those people on the road by the fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, be gracious, be nice. Yeah, my job is to teach them. Do you not understand the rules of the road? But what if? What if it's a convenience thing? What if? What if this girl is not the girl? But everything in you is so lacquer, feels so good. Then what? Then how do you surrender? This is what it means, surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Because we're still talking about, you know, the mind. We need to have our mind set on what the Spirit desires in order to work. Part of it is this consciousness of Him indwelling us and consciousness of the fact that His will is what goes. Do I surrender to His will? Incidentally, we can find all of this in the Word. You don't have to have the Holy Spirit wash a feeling over you if you know it's completely opposite to the Word. You just do what the Word says. Is that okay? You just do exactly what the Word says. That's how you start to walk in the Spirit. And one of the things that you need to do when you realize these things, walking in the Spirit, is to cast off. There are certain things... Because one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. There are certain things that you can just do. So Paul tells us this in Hebrews 12. He says, come on, everybody. There's a race that's set before us. And he says, the thing that you need to do is to fix your eyes on Jesus. Look at your model of righteousness. Look at your model of the Spirit. Look at your model of love. Look at your model of the gifts of, of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Look at Him. And then He says, and run your race with perseverance and patience. And then He says this, and casting off the sin that easily entangles and every weight that besets you. So there's certain things, by the assistance of the Holy Spirit, you're able just to say, I just cut this out of my life. There are things, there are things that you will struggle to change. And that's where the walk comes in. How many of you found that when you got saved, there was a radical change in your life, and you had power to change many things. Maybe you don't swear as much. Maybe you don't smoke anymore. Maybe you don't drink anymore. Maybe you don't dance, you know, rock and roll or anything like that. And maybe you don't hang around with wrong girls or wrong boys. Hey? No, there's nothing wrong with dancing. I'm, just I'm talking olden day language, you know, in the olden days where the dance halls were the thus and places, you know. In the olden days when TV, if you watch that one green-eyed monster from hell, you're going to get square eyes and end up in hell. And the Dwemini would have one in his passageway in his, in his house and he used to watch it sneakily and then shut the door so the kids couldn't see because every Sunday he was preaching about it, you know. But that's the kind of thing. Seriously, that's what they used to do. And, uh, but seriously, that was the false conceptions that we had. But what about those things that just track you and that you can't get over? What about your patience? What about gentleness? Why is it that every time your wife does that, you react like this? I'm being very vulnerable. 
Okay, well, let's also say, why is it that every time your husband does this, your wife does that? You know, why is it? Why is it? What is it? It's that broken centeredness. How do we change it? By walking in the Spirit, by conscious of His indwelling, by consciousness of Him and His desires, to surrender to Him, to look at the Word and see what the Word says, to cast off what you can change. Do you know that you're able to go back and revisit a thing? Because one of the amazing things about God, and we're going to come on to that now for a couple of minutes, one of the amazing things about God is He's going to give you another opportunity to do it right. And this is the whole life of walking in the Spirit. The beautiful thing is He's given you some tools that goes like, I was wrong, Lord, I blew it, please forgive me. To the person or persons, I was wrong, I am so sorry, please forgive me. And then you're able to go back on with your life. And the powerful thing that you're able to do is consider how you will do it differently next time. Because your mind is set on what the Spirit does ask. Next time I'm not. Next time she does that, I'm just going to ignore it. Next time, I'm going to think it's cute. Next time, I'm just going to put my arms around her and just tell her how much I love her. Just ignore that thing. Next time. Amen? And next time, you're able to get it right. Is that good? So how many of you know to walk in the Spirit is to walk in His will, to walk in His desires? Okay, here's a big secret that I learned from Prophet Quervis about walking in the Spirit, about your mind being set on Him, and as relates to the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And you might think this is really silly, but there's a power in it. I like what one theologian said when I was studying it yesterday. He said, if you've got a glass, stop trying to empty it of air. Fill it with whatever you want to fill it with, and there will not be air in the glass. And so many Christians are trying to get rid of the sins of the flesh instead of just saying, Let me walk in the fruit. Amen? So stop trying to empty yourself of those things. Rather, fill yourself with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so if you concentrate more on, I need to walk in love and righteousness. If you concentrate more on that, you will start to replace the lust of the flesh with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? So, Father, today I'm going to be patient. All right? I'm going to be really patient. I'm going to be patient. I don't know if you've noticed it, but every time you pray a prayer like that, everything, everything that is impatience gets, or patience gets tested that day. Amen? But that's the beautiful thing about it, that God is with you. So Paul tells us in Galatians and in Romans chapter 8, he says, if you walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you walk in the Spirit, you will walk in love and in the righteousness of God. But then he also talks about being led. How am I led by the Holy Spirit? You know that the word led there has got three parts to it. Number one, where the Holy Spirit can show you what to do in written form and say do it, which is the word. So he will lead us by opening the word and saying this is what I want. Second way is he will accompany us and say come and let's walk and he will walk with me. So we can do this together. He's yoked in with us. And he said, you can do this. You can fulfill the will of God. The third is where he actually takes your hand. And he says, come. This is the way to go. Now, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Everybody loves it. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Okay, Lord, which car should I buy? Which man should I marry? Which woman should I marry? What clothes should I wear today? I need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Which route should I take to work? And there's nothing wrong with all of that. But when Paul talks about as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, he's talking about walking out of the old image into the new. As many as are walking out of their old lives into the fruit of the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Come on, everybody. Can you say an amen? And so led by the Holy Spirit. And in that great chapter, Paul talks about being led by the Holy Spirit. Number one, he says we're led because of the hope that he's put inside of us. And if you go and read it, you will see. Paul says there's a powerful hope in us. And the hope is this, that the time will come when I will be just like Jesus. So that drives me. Every day it gives me substance in my life because I know like, okay, Lord, the time is coming when I will reflect your image and your likeness. I will be transformed into the heavenly man. 
The second thing that Paul talks about being led by the Holy Spirit, I'm led by that hope, but I'm led by something else as well, which is very powerful. He says the Spirit himself inside us is interceding with groans that words cannot express. So there's an intercession that's taking place inside of you. The Holy Spirit inside of you is praying with groans because it knows the mind of God, knows you, He knows you, and He's interceding for you with groans that cannot be expressed. There are times when you are praying in the Holy Ghost. There are times when you're praying, and you're praying this, Jesus, John needs more patience. Work patience in him. Paul says it like this, that you are uttering mysteries with your spirit. A mystery is something that hasn't been revealed yet. Sometimes it's good to say, today on my prayer list, I'm putting it aside, I'm not praying for anyone in ACF except me. And just go, Lord, it's time I pray for John. We need to pray because the intercession of the Spirit is not only for others, the intercession of the Spirit is for you. Part of his mission, his ministry, is inside of you to work in the character of God, to see that righteousness fulfilled, to see you manifesting love as an end result of your faith, to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit established in your life. And I say this to my shame. I've probably spent many more hours praying for the anointing, prophecy, words of knowledge in the Spirit than I have been praying for myself. It came a time in my life where I did spend a lot of time praying for me because I realized how little love I had in my life compared to what I saw in Jesus. And I can honestly tell you it is very easy for me to love now. I'm not perfect. I'm far away from it. But people can insult me, hurt me, divide, distract, cause destruction. And when I see them again, I will hug them with a genuine love in my heart. It's far from the love of Jesus. But I can tell you now that I used to do it outwardly, but inwardly there was all kinds of conflicting. Come here, let me hug you. I love you. But I can honestly tell you that inside, yeah, there is love. There's a lady, a couple that once, and it was a lady, and a real battle axe of a Christian, a real fishwife of a believer, with all the love in my heart, I can say. <laughs> I'm just teasing. But uh, man, she said some terrible things about me all around Kempton Park. She made a point of going to all the pastors and saying wicked things about me. And so one day, one day, we had this visiting preacher from America. First time we'd ever had him. Somebody just referred him. Really good guy. And he came to preach. And um, so we advertised and everything. And guess who picked us up that night? The battle axe. The fishwife and her husband. Oh, my word. Yeah, they come. They're sitting in church here, you know. And I'm not telling this to make myself look good. I'm, not, I'm just as an example. They were, Amy was standing at the back over there, and she knew the story. And uh, Bev was on the stage singing with Shreen, and they, I could see on the look on their faces, they both looking at this couple and going like, oh, what, is, what, is that? what are those people doing here? Uh, why are they here? You know, and I could see their faces. So I had a good smile, and I was standing at the back, and I walked in, and they sat down over here somewhere. And Amy comes to me and goes, Dad, Dad, there's that woman. I said, yeah, I know, my darling. So I'm standing facing her, she says, Go over there and ask them what they're doing here. Give them a piece of your mind. So I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And she said, Dad, how dare she was How dare they do that? And I said, my darling, I said, they just wounded people. I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make myself accountable to you. I want you to watch me. But I'm going to go over there and greet them like the couple that I love the most in the church. And I'm going to welcome them to the service. And I'm going to do it with all the love of Jesus in my heart. Because they need God. And she said, Dad, it's not fair. So I said, watch me. So I walked over to them. I went, hey, brother, hey, sister, how are you? I hugged them. And it's so good to see you here, man. You're so welcome. I haven't seen you for a long time. Just hugged them and loved them. 
And um, so the pastor finishes preaching, and you get, never guess what? The first couple he calls out by word of knowledge. He described, he said, last night when I was praying, God showed me people dressed like this. And it was them, the jacket, their clothes, everything. And they came up, and he prayed for them, and the power of God hit them. They fell on the floor. They were both rolling, bouncing, laughing, crying, kicking. And they were rolling, and we were sitting here, and they came crashing into our legs, you know, and then rolling away. And it was just like the Lord saying, check if I had had any attitude with him, they would have missed an appointment. Am I preaching to the converter? And so there's an intercession that takes place. There's a hope that inspires us. And then Paul talks about it even further in Romans 8.28. You can follow through the passage. And he says, I will write it down there. It's God working in you. Paul says this, and, and in your circumstances... Paul says this, God working. Paul says, let me just remind you of the vision. I want you to understand something. He says, those whom he predestined, he called. Those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he already glorified. So he's created you with the end product in mind. You're really glorified. You're really like Jesus. And he says, more or less, he's saying, and then he steps back from that because he wants to conform you to the image and likeness, the image of Jesus. And then he does this. He gives you his spirit. It's not a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of adoption whereby we can say, have a father without any fear in our lives. We're brought into this incredible relationship of love. He puts his spirit inside of us. The spirit in us with our spirit is groaning and interceding and saying, make me like Jesus. But there's a strong hope inside of me that says you will be. Mm. Amen? And then all of creation is interceding and going, transform John. Change John. We want to see the sons of God made manifest. And then Paul says this in Romans 8.28. And he says, and God. Everybody say, and God. Works all things together for good to them that love God and are called according to his good purpose. What is that purpose? To make you like Jesus. Is that okay? And so here is God working in you. Have you ever wondered why you get back to a place and you think, deja vu, I've been here before. I've been in this situation before. It's God working in you, taking you around, letting you and presenting you with the same set of circumstances. Maybe the name has changed. Maybe the face has changed, but the same kind of person that gets your hair standing up. That irritates the wee-wee out of you. That same person. What is God doing? He's saying, I'm giving you another opportunity. Come on, we're walking now in the Spirit. Now, how are you going to get a 50% right this time or 60% right? Come on. And then He takes you through it. And then He convinces you and persuades you. Well, it wasn't 100%, you know. And, uh, but that's okay. We'll do another lap. You'll get it right. Come on, let's get over it. Let's get over it. It's not your boss. It's you. I can tell you that with all sincerity and honesty now. I was saying to someone the other day, I've been in the ministry long enough now to be able to be, I'm at the point where I can say, yeah, but I told you so. Not that that's very nice. But I can say to people, but I told you so. Some people 20, 30 years ago, I told things, and it's a smash up. Well, but I told you. I'm not that I, I'm doing that. You know what I'm saying? But it, it, the fact is, you know, I've been around the block. I've got enough sense to know. So when I hear people go like, oh, this boss of Manuela, I'm praying for a new job. Then they get a new job. This is the best job in the whole world, and the boss is so awesome. Three months later, and the boss, you know, and they're picking on me. No, how about after 20 times? It's not the boss. It's you. It's you. It's not that person. It's you. It's not someone else. It's you. It's you. So God is working all things together for good. And it goes like, all right, you don't like the name of that person. You don't like the face. Let me take that believer out of your life. Because <laughs> very often it's Christian. But anyway, never mind. Let's move on. Let's move on. But there's also other people as well, ugly people. And then God says, right, let me take them out of the place. Then he brings someone else along. You go like, whoa, this is such a nice person. And then you, you know, it's like, oh. Uh, mm. 
I'm serious. So you might as well face it now. Get it over. Walk in the Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit. And you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Is that good? And so you've got to understand that you have to fill your mind with the truth of the Word so that you know what His will is. You need to fill your mind with a consciousness of that will and a preparedness to say that will of His is superior to mine. It takes precedence, what He says. You need to walk in a consciousness of the Holy Spirit is with me, He's helping me. In fact, I want to tell you this, it's His greatest priority with you. It takes precedence over any other, who you should minister to, who you should pray for, what word of knowledge, what prophecy. The highest thing on his agenda is to transform your life. Highest. That's why Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, he's the Spirit of truth. He will lead you into all truth. Sure, you may be going through pain. Sure, you may be going through lack. Sure, you may be going through. Sure, you know, everything in you goes, ah, you know. Take action. You know, take the matters into your own hand. But there's a quieter voice. There's a more subtle influence that says, do what the Word says. Do what God says. And so we're led by the Holy Spirit. So there's certain things we can cast off, certain things we can gain victory over. But we need to be led by the Holy Spirit where that influence comes in, the hope of transformation, that intercession and understanding God working in us to bring about His plans and His purposes. That's how it leads. It's a lifestyle. He gives you opportunities over and over again. Amen? And sometimes the Holy Spirit doesn't say a word. He doesn't say, John, this is what you need to do today because I have enough knowledge of the Word to know. So everybody put your hands on yourself. Now the Spirit of God knows your mind. He knows also the mind of God. And he knows what is on God's agenda. So just while you're sitting like that, don't feel self-conscious. Look at me. There was a man, a couple that lived over the road here. And uh, I think so many years ago, 40, 38 years ago, sitting in my office one day. And uh, this brother was struggling with smoking. And uh, he did a couple of days later. He got instantly set free. I mean, like instantaneous. And he came to me, and he was all feeling guilty because you know how many Christians had said to him, you're going to hell, you know, <laughs> you, you know or, or you know, you, you're still smoking. Well, well you, it, you won't go to hell for smoking, but it'll sure, you'll sure smell like you've been there, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of thing. You know the condemnation. Overeating's bad for your health. Too much caffeine's bad for your health, just like smoking. Why don't we pick on those things? And he came to me and he said, oh, I want to give it. And I said, hey, Brother Brian, don't chill about it. Just chill about smoking. Don't worry about it. A lot of people condemn me for things like that. But hey, listen, I know what I'm doing. This is my job. I don't come and tell you how to do your job. So this brother's, brother's there. We've all got our hands on ourselves, eh? You're interceding. You're laying hands on yourself. So he came and he said, oh, I've got to give up smoking. I said, hey, Brian, just chill about it. I said, that's not on God's agenda yet. I said, it really isn't. I said, this is the level of your, the surface of your life. And I said, and these people are looking at the obvious, the smoking. I said, but God beneath your life, inside, has got another agenda. And he's dealing with those. As soon as those go, this will fall. And within a few weeks, brand new believer, <laughs> he came and he just felt, Today's the day. And this young girl, brand new believer, came up and he said, no, today's the day. I know I'm going to get set free from smoking today. And she said, Lord Jesus, I pray for Brian. The next time he puts a cigarette to his lips, he's going to be violently ill. He's going to throw up. He's going to, wah, wah, wah. and she's praying like this. And I overheard and I thought, oh, Jesus, help Brian. And, uh, <laughs> but anyway, God rewarded both of their faith. He went home after church and he completely forgot that he went forward for prayer. He lit up a cigarette and he took one puff and he started to throw up. <laughs> he was violently ill and he was completely set free for, for good. And he came and shared it with me, just like that, instantaneously. It's many. I've had wives dragging their husbands forward. Cam, he needs to stop smoking. And I say, do you want to stop smoking? No. He says, no. I said, are you still enjoying it? He says, very much. I said, Karen's smoking. Don't worry. And then the wife, and he just unrolled, holy pastor. <laughs> 
I mean, how can you pray something out of a person who doesn't want to change? So we've got our hands on ourselves, eh? All right. Come on, everybody. I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, let's go. Come on, God's got a program for you. God's got a plan for you. And He's not going to speak and say every day, do this, do this, because you know in the Word what to do. Okay? Come on, I want you to really pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. Pray for yourself. I mean, I don't need to ask for a show of hands. You're not all holy. Neither am I. Far from it. We're not all reflecting fully the image and the likeness. We're not. But without condemnation, I'm saying this. But whew, we have the Spirit inside of us. If we walk daily, regularly in the Spirit, if we led and continue to be led, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Old John will be put to death by the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's pray out loud, everybody. This is, this is a spiritual exercise. I want you to learn how to pray out verbally, vocally. If you can't pray in tongues yet, pray in your own language. Pray in English, pray in Afrikaans. Say, God, transform me, transform me, change. Holy Spirit, instead of us trying to be holy, instead of us trying to empty ourselves, rather let's, let's get full. Transform me, Lord. Maybe you're conscious enough of the Holy Spirit's dealings with you that you know what He's been working on. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's low self-esteem, maybe it's you just react to everything because you come out of a place of just always feeling threatened, always feeling insecure, that fragmentation of your heart. And maybe the Holy Spirit's been addressing it. Then I pray in your own understanding, your own language even, and just say, heal me of this. I surrender to you. I cooperate with you. I yield. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we trust you. We trust you. Your highest mission in our lives is to change us, to make us more like Jesus. Kenneth Wust's translation says this, but I say, through the instrumentality of the Spirit, habitually order your manner of life, and you will in no wise execute the passionate desires of the evil nature. Come on, God is healing you. He's healing your heart. The anointing is to bind up broken heartedness to heal your heart. So, Father, we thank you. Father, I want to thank you that you are lifting up branches that have fallen down. I want to thank you that you're pruning off unfruitfulness in us, that we can bear fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. In Jesus' name. We all agreed, said, Amen.